the NBA trade deadline came and went. The Blazers made some moves and won a game. Journalism lost big time. And I learned what Taradol is. Can't say it, but I know what it Tordal. is now. Toradol, thank you, Brennan. Anyway, <laughs> I am Eric Ventures. Welcome to the Sports by Northwest podcast, along with Brennan Green of Coin6. Also, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl had an interesting halftime, a very dramatic game, but some controversy at the end. Brenna, let's start with just some pleasantries. How was your Super Bowl weekend? Did you enjoy yourself unlike myself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it was good, you know? Uh, one, of, one, of the, one of the positives of coming back and working in your home market after um, – not being home for what, however many years, is that you can just go to your mom's house and she can make you mashed potatoes and baby back ribs. And you Ooh. can watch the Super Bowl. So um, it was, was mom. Where was my invite? I know. I know. Well, you know, <laughs> getting into Club Denae is pretty baby, exclusive. Baby so, back ribs? Oh, it's pretty exclusive? It's pretty, you know, it's pretty exclusive. Okay. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I gave her a little, um, I wouldn't say I gave her crap, but you know, we had the whole hair dryer discussion the last time out. So I got to give her flowers. Okay. Yeah. And how'd that go? Th I mean, it, it, it's now we're just waiting for the refund. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, she, I got I to gotta give her flowers on the Super Bowl meal. It was excellent. So big ups to today. So that was that was my my Super Bowl. Nothing crazy. And you want to know what? I loved it. So there you go. How about you, Aaron? Well, my week weekend was somewhat ruined by Toradol Gate. Is that is it oh, Toradol? Is that right? Tor 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 yes. As somebody who had to say it on air multiple times over the last, over Friday and Saturday, yes. <laughs> I typed it a lot. I didn't have to say it a lot. Anyway, mm. let's start. Let's just start there and get that out of the way. We don't have to go into it too much because I think it's kind of died down now other than it's grievance the Warriors have against the Blazers, and we'll see how long that takes to resolve itself. But I just want to start with the assault on journalism with this thing and how much trouble it mm. caused. The Athletic and ESPN reported that, according to sources, the Blazers were shooting up Gary Payton and pushing him out on the court to make him play. This, of course, raised a lot of red flags and people were freaking out about it and attacking the Blazers organization. Now, Brenna, have you ever seen the movie North Dallas 40? I have not. It's a great football movie. It's an old school football movie. I think it came out late 70s. And it pretty much focused on how the NFL treated its players back in the day, almost like cattle. And they did a lot of things like make them take pills, shoot them up to make, allow them to play, et cetera, et cetera. And that was that era. So whenever people talk about shooting someone up to make them play, I think of 1970s NFL in this movie. So again, the movie has a torn, torn hamstring or a hurt hamstring. He's their best running back. They need him to play in the big game. He's like, I don't mess with needles. They convince him to take the needle. He gets out there and plays, shreds the hammy. While he's running, he, he, he's injured, so he can't defend himself. Bam, he gets blasted, blows out his knee, his career's over. So like, that's what I always think of. Fast forward now to this era where they barely practice, and you have this thing called load management, which leads to things like LeBron James not playing last night against the Blazers because of ankle soreness. Back in the day, you didn't play because of a sprained ankle, a broken ankle, torn ligaments in an ankle. Now, if it's just sore, you may sit out a game or eight. Who knows? There's no doubt in my mind that a lot, and I've asked Billups about this, Chauncey Billups. I've said, do you ever look at some of these guys and think, we played with that back in the day. He's like, yeah, of course, because we did play with those things back in the day. And his day wasn't that long ago, right? So we're no. in an era where the players are running the league. They're deciding, them and their agents are deciding where they want to go, et cetera, et cetera. I just found it incredible to believe that they completely pressured Peyton. Now, there might have been some pressure because they did sign him. He missed 35 games. He was cleared. So they might have been like, come on, man, we need you or whatever. But there's no way they were just browbeating the guy and then, you know, shooting him up <laughs> with, with drugs to go play. So later, the Athletic and ESPN walked it back to just maybe taking it orally, which is not much different, I guess, than taking ibuprofen or Tylenol or what have you. So the problem, though, is that the damage sort of was done, you know, yep. in terms of how you painted the Blazers as an organization. Uh, 
And what killed me about it when I first read the report was nowhere in the report did it at least say the Blazers declined, declined to comment or Gary Payton's agent declined to comment or clarified things. Later, Aaron Goodwin, Payton's agent, told Chris Haynes and then he later told me that uh, Gary did not take shots of Tardall. Yeah. Okay. So that, and then everything got walked back, right? So it just kills me that these two major entities and these two guys, Shams and Woj, who obviously engage in these wars of breaking news and Woj bombs and things like that, can't function in the world of basic journalism and try and dot their eyes, cross their T's before putting something like this out because they're all just trying to be first, which I get. And it's, it's a lucrative business for them. And clearly the NBA wants them to do this and wants because they want the engagement, which is why most beat writers have trouble getting any breaking news because it just goes to those guys from either the league office or GMs or what have you. So anyway, yeah. but the bottom line is if you're going to do that, fine, but just at least don't screw up something like this, which is actually serious and important. And they screwed it up. So now the Blazers are trying to, you know, you know, the Blazers have to deal with that fallout. But I think they'll be okay in the end, depending on well, I think they'll be okay in the end because their their name in terms of the shots has been pretty much cleared. But you wonder about the millions of people who saw the initial report but won't care about the fallout reports. Yeah. But what's hanging over their head though is that did they mislead the Warriors in any way about his injury. So before I continue going on with that, I want to give you a chance to speak since I kind of filibustered there for a while. But just give me, as a journalist, as someone, you know, who, who I know takes journalism seriously and tries to do her job in an ethical and, and professional manner, what were your impressions of just how that whole thing was handled? Something stunk from the very beginning. <laughs> Didn't it? <laughs> yeah. It was like, mm, I don't know. Like, this just doesn't, seem right like <sighs> and then you notice that now the warriors are like okay we're gonna reevaluate him in a month and i was like okay well didn't you say it was gonna be at least two to three months that he was gonna be out that's see right there you said didn't they say we don't know who they were like we don't know who the yeah, source was was it myers was it kerr was it someone else lower level and they just ran with it like but anyway but go ahead yeah, I mean, regardless, it was somebody within the Warriors organization who was feeding exactly. that information. And at this point, it, it sure seems like Woj and uh, Woj not. You notice that Woj did not use Toradol in his wording when he when he broke it or he when he first put it, it out. But yeah, when he first put it out a day later, he was like, they think they've been misled. It was like, oh, okay, so we're already getting a little bit of revisionist history here. And I think the thing that also upset me, just as a journalist, is the Athletic was not willing to eat their crow. They didn't say, we need to retract this report. They said, we're revising it. Mm -hmm. Those are two completely different things. We're getting into the weeds on journalism, and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that's probably not very interesting to people who listen to us. But whatever. You know what? I want to know what? We're be. two journalists. So it should be, though, because it spills over into other areas like politics as well. But go ahead and cry. Exactly. But, yeah. it, it, exactly. So, um, yeah, the, the whole thing just didn't really add up from the beginning to me, especially with how long the Blazers kept him out to begin with. I mean, right. if they were if, if they really wanted him to play and they were shooting him up with Toradol, wouldn't that have been happening in like November or December? <laughs> It's just, a, and the, the person I feel the worst for in all this is Jessica Cohen, the Blazers head trainer, because mm. that's somebody that, that, you know, nobody has said her name, but I'm sure that, you know, especially as I can identify with this as a female in sports, you don't want to screw it up because then it, it does become bigger. Unfortunately, it just does. And so the fact that her name has kind of silently been drug through the mud isn't the right word because now at this point we know that, you know, she didn't do anything wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, they, 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 reported, anyways, they reported the training staff. So like, yep. you think, okay, Cronin, Billups, and the training staff are over Gary Payton. Do you take this shot and get out there and play 15 minutes? <laughs> so the image they presented, but continue. So, you know, that's, that's another person who I really feel for in this situation who is just like, I don't think she deserved how this all came out. 
I really don't feel that way. So, um, yeah, it's just unfortunate. And the fact that, you know, (laughs) I mean, you don't see agents go on the record a lot. That's like, I mean, it happens every once in a while, but it doesn't happen that often, especially with something like this. The fact that, by the way, you know, a little inside baseball for people who are, you know, listening to this. Gary Payton's agent is also Damian Lillard's agent. So that's interesting as well. But anyways, um, (laughs) you know, it's not often that you see agents going on the record with another journalist and saying, no, this did not happen. Right. So um, it's 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 a very interesting case study in NBA drama. <laughs> I'm glad that it's I, I don't think anything big is going to come out of this, you know, complaint or whatever that the Warriors have filed. I think it's right. going to, you know, kind of fade in the background and I don't think we're going to hear anything about it. So um, was it? But go ahead. Sorry. Okay, no, so no. What, no, I, I didn't really have much else to say. Go ahead. So what's so what's interesting here is that, you know, the Warriors are going through with the complaint, even though they accept, accepted the trade. And part of the reason why they put the trade through is clearly they're they're going to save what Bob Myers said, the GM for the Warriors, thirty nine million total on the luxury tax by getting rid of Wiseman's salary for the rest of this year and next year. I think he was scheduled to make twelve next year. And they're way, way in the tax. They're in the repeater tax, mm-hmm. every tax you can imagine. So every dollar they spend, I think they spend another three on top or something yeah. ridiculous like that, which is re- the reason why they didn't sign Peyton back in the offseason, because I think mm-hmm. reportedly signing him to the same contract the Blazers gave him would have actually cost them $70 million as opposed to $26 million or something like that. Um, and so, you know, they're obviously willing to be in the tax because of the team they have and trying to win championships, and that's great. But at, at some point, you're going to be like, am I, are we going to spend $70 million on a backup <laughs> You know, guard, it just gets ridiculous after a while. Or in Wiseman's case, we've fallen out of the rotation. So there was a financial incentive for them to keep the trade in place. Um, Also, through the grievance, they can maybe get something back after the fact. We'll see. But the only thing they can really claim now is that the Blazers didn't let them know that he was still dealing with pain because there's no way. Okay, so here's what's bizarre to me. He It's not like this is some magical injury that popped up. He had surgery in the summer, which means the injury was bothering him last year while he was helping the Warriors win the title. He has the surgery. He was supposed to be back by training camp, but he wasn't. Supposed to be back by the regular season, start of it. He wasn't. It kept lingering and going on and on and on and on and on. So they knew he missed 35 games on top of training camp. So they knew there was some issues. Plus, Peyton said the night he played against Detroit on January 2nd that he just has to thug it out. That he's going to have yep. some discomfort, he's going to have some pain, which is why he probably popped the pills, et cetera, et cetera. So that was already out there. What Myers said yesterday was that, oh, well, Peyton played, he started against us in place of Hark because Hark got traded the night before. And it's like, so wait a minute, that was all you needed? <laughs> he started against us, so he must be fine. So on one hand, I guess, you know, if the Blazers didn't tell them that he was still dealing with pain and taking some pain meds, I guess maybe that's untowardly, but I don't think that anyone paying attention would believe he was 100% healthy because he hasn't been for over a year, even cl- including while playing with the Warriors yes. in this 35 games. So it's just, it's just the whole thing's bizarre to me at this point, what exactly they're going to try and claim in the grievance. Uh, Myers wouldn't elaborate, but at the very least, or at the very most, I think the NBA might say, okay, you should have told them this, and maybe they have to give a second round pick back. Another part of this, though, is that apparently the grievance is going to include, a source has told me this, and I think Chris Haynes mentioned it on a podcast as well, that maybe the Blazers weren't 100% forthright with the Pelicans last year during the whole CJ trade, and that Larry Nance maybe wasn't as healthy as the Pelicans thought, and but that deal got revised before the deadline. So that a second round pick could have been thrown in or whatever. So, so there might be a, a, a claim of a pattern here. So we'll see. I'm told, I'm told from the Blazers in that that hasn't necessarily come up yet. So I don't know. We, no one's seen the grievance and no one really talk about specifically what it is. But the, the whole thing just became no much more the than grievance. I know. The whole thing has just become much more than it probably should have been. 
Uh, I feel like it, it, at the very least, maybe the war, the Blazers could have said more, but also the Warriors could have done better due diligence. I mean, wouldn't you ask and say, hey, you know, Peyton missed 35, 35 games and said he's playing through pain. You know, how bad is this thing? Maybe they did. And the Blazers said, oh, he's fine. Rub some dirt on it. He'll be okay. I mean, who knows? I, I will say this, though. After the news comes out, Cronin holds his press conference, right? You were there, 430, yep. and it says he just learned about it. Then Billups comes up and says he just learned about it. I find that a little difficult to believe that they didn't know that this this thing was out there. I'm not calling them liars. I'm just saying that it's just a little bizarre that they would not know anything until The Athletic puts out a story. Um, but if that's the case, and that shows that The Athletic didn't bother calling him, and you know Shams has Cronin's number. You know he has Goodwin's number. He's broken news out of the Goodwin camp before. So to, to not have those conversations wouldn't make doesn't make any sense journalistically. I was stunned that Cronin showed up on time to the press conference. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, there's breaking news going on right now. Like, oh, my God. And he waltzed, waltzed right in at like 431. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody from the athletic contacted them. Let's put it that way. So. Yeah. And if they did, they didn't say that the Blazers declined comment, which is, you know, just standard practice, really. Yes. Anyway, especially right. especially with something controversial and especially when you're disparaging a franchise, including, you know, the training staff who, you know, no one knows their names. But as a staff, they're getting and I should say no one knows their names, but they're not Cronin or Billups or Peyton or the agents, whatever. Yeah. You know, they're just doing their job trying to keep the players as healthy as possible. And all of a sudden the staff is thrown into the the mix as being this despicable group of people trying to force injured players to play in a league where the players run the league. (laughs) It's just just comedy. Okay. Okay. All right. Trade deadline just generally. The Warriors pick up Matisse, Matisse Seibel and Cam Reddish. You know, was this uh, what people were hoping for? No. Okay. (laughs) Big no. Um, gosh, it's just, you know, as a longtime Blazers fan, it's like, is this, is this franchise ever going to catch a break in terms of the trade deadline or free agency? Like, when is it going to happen? Okay. Because we've been waiting and guess, and, you know, my question to, you know, Joe Cronin was like, what do, what do you say to fans when people have been waiting for this? Forever, and it still hasn't happened. And yet again, there's another disappointment. And now you're saying, wait till summer when everybody around this, all the fans have been told for the last 10 years, don't bet on free agency in the summer because we don't have, we don't have the firepower. <sighs> uh, okay, I'm on a soapbox. Well, not even just not having the firepower, you don't you don't have the draw to Portland. Yeah. Okay, so. You know, the thing. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of these two pickups? Of, of Matisse and Cam. Well, for, well, for, well first, let, let me, let's address, you know, the elephant in the room that you just brought up. So, you know, how do I start this? Managing expectations is, is a, a big way to cut our, cut off disappointment when something doesn't go the way you want it to. If you expect something that doesn't happen, you're, you freak out. If you don't expect it and it doesn't happen, you're like, eh. I'm appreciating this psychology lesson. Continue. Uh, yeah. So back when the, like in the early 2000s, my thing was the Bla- after the Blazers failed to win with that super team they built and it fell apart, mm-hmm. right? Don't remind me. My thing was that the Blazers might never win a title Unless they can get lucky in the draft and land three stars, right? So it started to happen, right? You had Roy, Aldridge, and then Boomy won the number one pick. They took Odin, which a lot of people criticize in hindsight, but at the time, Odin was thought to be the next Ewing or David Robinson, right? So had he been that, that trio definitely would have contended for a title. But Odin injured. Roy injured, you left with Aldridge, et cetera, et cetera. So that that was your that was your your lightning strike, right? So anyway, you get you get Lillard to go to Aldridge, Aldridge. And so the question is, can you add to that? Well, the addition to that was going to come internally through CJ, but the year CJ was ready to break out, Aldridge leaves. So you lost an all-star, right? So now the Blazers at that point had lost 
two all-star caliber players, and a potential all-star in Odin. If you're a city that struggles to attract all-stars, the worst thing that can happen to you is that you lose the all-stars that you draft. That's a double whammy. So instead of having Dame, Aldridge, and CJ, which I think probably would have put you in the mix, and then maybe you can add to that, you lose Aldridge, and now you're left with two small guards, which no team other than the Detroit Pistons and A's have ever won a title with the two best players being two small guards. So I've been of the mind that it's just never going to happen in Portland. And I know that sounds awful, but it's never happened to where they've gone out and stolen players from other teams through the free agency or made a big trade to create a contender. It's never happened. So to think that it's going to happen in this day and age where the players are even more in control and can dictate where they go and that a star player who's a difference maker is going to say, uh, I want to go to Portland is a pipe dream. So if it's a pipe dream, how can you criticize the people who are unable to make the dream out of the pipe? It just doesn't make any sense. So bashing Cronin, as some people did in the media and the fan base, to me, it's just ridiculous. Like you're just like, there's literally a 2% chance of threading that needle. So let's criticize him. Kevin Durant, the only player that moved that would have made the Blazers a contender was Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant made it clear where he wanted to go. He wanted to go jump on the bandwagon in Phoenix. He could have come here and made the Blazers instant contenders. But no, he's going to go to an already contender because that's what Kevin Durant does. All right? So to blame Croner for not giving Durant is ridiculous. OG Yananobi, could you have gotten him for Anthony and two first-round picks? Maybe. Does OG make you a contender? No. How do we know this? Well, he's just not that great. He's good, but he's playing with two all-stars right now, and they're under 500. So he's going to come to Portland to be the guy. And if he's not the guy, which I don't think he would be, now Ant is gone and those two first-round picks are gone, which are ammunition for getting a true star who can maybe put you over the top. And that's why Cronin was saying when we couldn't get the big fish we wanted at the or get guys at the price we wanted, you keep those assets, you try to get other assets to load up for a bigger move in the summer. So even if they could have had OG for what I just said, I would have, I wouldn't have done that. Because now you've you shot you shot your shots. It's over. Like you, you don't have enough assets to add to that uh, impact true championship caliber player. That being said, I don't care how many picks they have or how many assets they have. I still don't believe they're going to be able to get that guy who's going to make this team a championship contender. It might make this team a, to get to the second round, but we'll see. Prove me wrong. You know, haven't done it in the history of the franchise. Prove me wrong. That'd be great. I'd love to cover it. But I just don't know if it's going to happen. One more thing before I shut up. I have heard from sources that they were in on Mikhail Bridges after he went from Phoenix to uh, Brooklyn. But Brooklyn wanted too much. Again, Mikhail Bridges, just like OG, great addition, but he's not going to make you yep. contender. Are you going to give up Ant two first round picks for him? I'm not. Because to me, Ant is just as good, just at the wrong position. And I'm giving you two firsts on top of it? No. Plus, we all know they had trouble with the first anyway because the first was tied yep. with, with yep. Chicago. If they If they surrendered that, and then they don't make the playoffs this year. That's a lottery pick. You don't want to give them a lottery pick and another first round pick and Ant. Nope. You'd rather have that lottery pick because if you wait till the till the end of the season and you have that, if you don't make the playoffs and you have that lottery pick, now what does that become? It becomes an even bigger trade chip for what you want. So, and they got the Knicks pick, et cetera. So anyway, my point is, I know it sucks, but if you were honestly expecting something major to happen, you haven't no. been paying attention for the last four no. years. No. Yeah, yeah, I, I. Oh, and they did. They did make calls on Durant too. That, that I, I can't remember if I said it or not because I started talking so long ago. But they did. I was told that there was a can we get Durant, and it was like eh, no. Yeah, that's not surprising at all in terms of Kevin. Um, <laughs> yeah, I yeah I. <laughs> even like like yeah, getting OG would have been cool and stuff like that. But is OG going to make you a contender immediately? No. No. So make you better. You'll make yeah, the playoffs. Yeah. It's it's a very tough position they're in. And you know, especially with I mean the the pressure is on. Like you like the whole fan base wants you to do this for Dame. And and right. and that's a really tough position to be in because also then you're kind of playing from a weird point of weakness when you're coming in from other teams because other teams know you're desperate to try to make this work for Damien. So it's, it's an interesting, um, it's a really interesting spot that they're in right now. 
and uh yeah it's it's gonna i think you're right that it's gonna take almost a miracle to get out of it unfortunately and that stinks to admit it really does um i don't know I, I, there's, there's 30 teams in the nba they aren't all, none of them are required to give the blazers what they want nope uh-uh um i i did you know really like matisse's debut obviously it's a piece it's a piece you know you you, you right. can't it seemed really thoughtful post game in his press conference last night. I really thought that press that hey, press was conference great. was really um really interesting. Uh so so we'll see what happens. We'll see if um you know the Blazers can uh can kind of reclaim some misfit toys in him and Reddish. Um <laughs> you know, I don't I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean they both were out of the rotation right. of their teams. They weren't playing. I know. You know, like they were not playing and now they're starting here i mean i know that that's just to kind of get them acclimated and kind of see what we got sort of thing you know over these next few right. games since we are coming up to the all-star break uh but yeah it's um it's it's yeah they weren't gonna if you thought they were gonna land someone big that's I, if you expect it if you hope yeah, that's if, fine if you expected it yes, that's on you exactly so I, I hope that I hope that Tybal and Reddish do have their moment and they, they end up, you know, having their, you know, making their teams regret them trading them, but you know, that can't happen in all trades either. So we'll we'll you know, we'll just right. see what happens. So from from our perspective, Thibel was a money pickup because he's a legitimate all defensive Correct. caliber player. He was second team all defense twice and, and he did that while only playing like 20 or 25 yep. minutes per game. He fell out of the rotation this year because they, they got some other guys in the offseason and he's going to be restricted. I don't think they were going to resign him. So you start playing the other guys and he gets lost in the shuffle 12 minutes per game. Uh, but for the Blazers, like he's exactly what you need. He is a better version of what Peyton was brought in for. He's, he's 6'5", Peyton 6'2". He's, he's bigger, stronger than Peyton. Um, he can defend more positions uh, than Peyton can. So you upgrade, you really truly upgraded that defensive specialist role. The question is, can he score enough? If wide open, you know, wide open, he's going to hit shots. He hit four out of six threes last night. Career 33% shooter, which is not great. Um, I was trying to find a stat on what his three-point percentage is based on, uh, you know, how open he was. There are stats for that. Um, but it, it seems to me that if, if, if he's 35% on wide open threes, which he should get open threes playing with Dane Ant and Jeremy, then you're good. Like, you'll take that, 35%. It's not 40, but you'll take 35, especially when he's playing lockdown defense, which they could have used against Oklahoma City when uh, Gilders Alexander was just going to the rim at will, 13 for 16 from the field, not one three-pointer, made only took one and missed it and scored 44 points. That's when you need Matisse to get in his grill, hold him to 34 points, right? Then you win that game. Uh, so that's huge. Reddish, Reddish is bizarre, man, because – he, he, he underachieved in two spots. Yep. He, the team that drafted him moved him for almost nothing. The team that got him just gave him and a first-round pick to get hard. That's you know that's how much they value yep. British. So can he blossom here? I don't know, but he's 6'8", athletic. He can score, as he said himself, at all three levels. Defensively, he has ability. If he buys in, he's going to get an opportunity. If he doesn't, which I think was part of the problem in New York and Atlanta, then he's not going to be here very long. He's also a restricted free agent. So – the addition of those two guys who you can re-sign and keep as either depth or maybe Thibault's your starting three moving forward. And then the first round pick if the Knicks make the playoffs and the and the five second round picks for Peyton. I think they did amass a haul of assets to go along with the already existing assets to help them this offseason. But I don't think getting a marquee star is going to happen. Maybe they can get two good players. Like if they could get Bridges and OG, now you're talking. If it's just OG or just Bridges, eh. If it's both of them, something like that, then you got a shot to be a contender. But one last thing. The problem is not just what the Blazers can get. The problem is what other teams do. The fact that Phoenix, which went to the NBA Finals two years ago, had the best record in the West or in the NBA last year, and then this year the number one record in the West before Booker went out, but then I think they won, they won 8 out of 10 uh, leading up to last night, I think. And then you add Durant to that? You can't no. contend with that if you're Portland ever. You're never going to be, and that's always going to be something that's going to happen somewhere because there's always going to be some star out there who's going to cherry pick a spot to go, and you're never going to be able to compete with that. It's just going to be extremely difficult. So maybe you know if if, if, they, if things don't like if things don't work out at some point, I do believe Dame and the Blazers are going to reach a mutual agreement that maybe it's time 
to part ways so Dame can have a chance to play. I, I would hate to see Dame's career end and he'd never get a chance to play on the championship stage. Um, and then maybe you get a bunch of assets for him and then you get lucky and hit in the draft like we just talked about and you repeat the Roy Aldridge Odin trifecta without the injuries and then boom, you go with Shaden and Sharp and oh my God, now you have a contender, right? So maybe that's the only path. Anyway. <sighs> Depressing. We're tired. <laughs> You're tired if you're listening. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Uh, so you want to talk about the Super Bowl? Sure, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Um, Start with the game first. I mean. We'll get to the halftime. Great set. game, uh, except for the end. That was very anticlimactic. Um, mm-hmm. nobody, nobody wants a call to really decide the game. Nobody wants that. It's, yeah, uh, so we'll, we'll get into that. Um, but overall, I mean, great game. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is starting to build a legacy, which is cool to, you know, kind of watch from the ground up just because I, yeah. you know, I was a kid when Tom Brady was doing it and stuff like that. So it's like it's not something that really like registers for me as much. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a, I mean, it's always good when the Super Bowl is competitive. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so uh, so yeah. I mean, you can't you can't complain. What about you? It was an entertaining game. I figured it would be. I thought it was going to be close. I I picked the Eagles, but was pulling for Kansas City because I wanted Andy Reid to get his revenge on the franchise that fired him. I haven't done a deep dive into the, looking back at the history of the Super Bowl, but I do not recall off the top of my head an instance where a team fired a coach who then came back and beat them in the Super Bowl. Um, but he has two Super Bowl titles now. Now, the Phillies' credit, I can't remember very many teams that fired a Super Bowl-caliber coach and then won a Super Bowl and then went to another one shortly thereafter. That doesn't happen very often no. as well. So both have actually prospered post their breakup. Uh, but the fact that, A, Reed now has two Super Bowls, one against Philly, and Reed has Mahomes. Now, Jalen's a good quarterback, but – in theory, had Reed been in Philly with Matt Nagy recommending Mahomes and they study Mahomes and then they make the pick, maybe Mahomes is in Philly. Who knows? Anyway, I just like seeing Reed get his revenge. Uh, Mahomes is ridiculous. And it's it's kind of like I, I enjoy watching him play. I enjoy watching greatness. But every time I see the guy, I just think he should have been in Chicago. <laughs> he is He is for me. As a Bears fan, what Jordan is to Blazers fans, the dude that got away for a guy who gave you next to nothing. If Trubisky were, I mean, people malign Kirk Cousins. I think he's actually a pretty good quarterback. I would take, you give me Kirk Cousins last 30 years for the Bears, I'm happy. But if if he were just at least a Kirk Cousins level, or maybe you'd be in a Knox, a Tannehill, or something, well, Tannehill's been in Pro Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Not megastar, but star then it wouldn't be as bad. But the fact that Trubisky's gone and you pass up on Mahomes just hurts. But he's got two Super Bowls. He's just got two MVPs. He's already been to another Super Bowl. He's, what, 27? He's definitely on an amazing trajectory. I did see somewhere, I can't remember the dude's name, who's saying he's the best we've ever seen. I, I just cannot stand that nonsense. Like, there's nothing There's nothing that guy does. I said, oh, that's the best I've ever seen. Because he have a great arm? Yeah, I watched, I watched Elway. I watched Marino. I watched Fouts. I've watched a lot of Peyton Manning. I've watched a lot of great arms. Drew, I think, Drew Brees, uh, I think Nick Wright is the person uh, you're it, looking for. Continue. Nick Wright, yeah. Is he the most accurate ever? No. Is he the most mobile? No. Like there's there's and winning Super Bowls is not ever just about a quarterback. It's also about the entire the team around you and then who your opponents are along the way. He's not in an era where he's had to having to deal with Peyton Manning. Maybe Burrow ended up being his Peyton Manning or his his nemesis like Manning was or Brady was the Manning. Who knows? But I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm just saying let's let's let him breathe a bit before we start saying he's the greatest we've ever seen because I've seen a lot of great quarterbacks, and he's one of them, but he's not the greatest ever. That's just BS right now. All right. We said we were going to talk about it. The holding call. <laughs> um, okay. You go first. Okay. And just remember, I'm a former wide receiver, so I have a, a very, uh, uh, one might say, expected opinion on this. Okay. So All right. Okay. Um, all right. So we're going to get our third time in this podcast where Aaron's going to get on his soapbox. I'm excited. Um, <laughs> yes. Third time's the charm. Okay. Um, 
So, yeah, I... Just, you know, whenever I lean back like this, it's because I'm waiting for something I can just... Oh, okay, all right. He's, he's on the prowl, okay. <laughs> I'm on the lean. I got the lean <laughs> okay, yeah, I don't... I know that the coroner said it was holding. Mm-hmm. Man, is that a call? I, uh, I don't know. I don't... If it was an egregious thing, then yeah, I could get behind it more. But it just wasn't egregious enough for me to be like, oh yeah, that call needs to be made there. And then we're just going to let the clock wind down. We're going to have the kicker kick a 20-yard field goal or 20, I think it was 27, something like that. And that's going to be the game. Like, that's just, uh, I, I, I understand you shouldn't be committing penalties, but then again, penalties get committed on literally every single NFL play. So, um, I, I just, I just don't think it was egregious enough to have the game decided on it. And yes, you can say, okay, what well, does is a game really decided on one play? Blah, 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 blah. I understand that, but I just don't, I don't, I wasn't a fan of the call in the moment. Aaron, please tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think it's a matter of right or wrong necessarily here because what's funny is that earlier in the game, uh, Kansas City would have a third and eight and Philadelphia blitz Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So obviously, and then it was like, I think at least eight guys were coming. I can't remember. So you bring eight, the quarterback's going to have a shotgun. He's going to have very little time. It's going to be something quick. And the receiver was running a slant and <clears throat> he got grabbed by the DB a little bit. And he couldn't get to the spot where the ball ended up. And I was just like, if you allow, allow a team to hold in that situation while you're blitzing, no one would ever score. If I can hold you and grab you and send eight, the scores are 10-7 yep. <laughs> every time. The whole point of the rule changes over the years were to prevent stuff like that. Because it used to be you could grab downfield until the ball was released. Then it was you could only bump within the first five yards uh, because they wanted to open up the games, right, and not have them be these, these brawls and, uh, you know, these, these little three yards in a cloud of dust. Um, uh, busting in the face brawls. But anyway, um, so, but it wasn't called. And things like that do happen. And so you could make the argument that, oh, well, why was this one any different than that one that wasn't called? I would argue that that one should have been called, though. The first one should have been called. So to say we're not going to call this the, the most critical one because we didn't call some other ones, to me, doesn't make sense. The bottom line is you only grab when you're beat. <clears throat> okay, you only grab when you're beaten. So dude ran a, a whip out, he goes in slant, stops, come back out. So it's a double, actually ended up being a triple move because he turns it upfield. And the DB reached and grabbed him on the on the first cut, on the second cut. He first he grabs him. So right there, that's holding. And then dude turns it up and he takes his left arm and he puts it on his hip. Now, did he was that one as egregious as the first one? No, but it still slows you up a tad. It just does. And the ball was overthrown. People say, oh, it wasn't catchable. Well, how do we know it wasn't catchable when dude was touched twice, impeding his ability to get to that spot to at least have a chance to dive for it or what have you? And so from, from my perspective, he doesn't do that unless he's beaten. So if we allow a DB to get beaten but then hold, you're giving a completely unfair advantage to the defense, period, regardless of when it happens in the game. And so the call was correct. Now, to say you can't do it in that moment, that's just nonsense to me. Like, no, why? I mean, why are you not going to do it in that moment? He cheated. He admitted he cheated because he was getting beat. So Kansas City did made the play to get the position to score, and this guy grabbed the receiver twice. If he doesn't touch them, dude might have caught the touchdown anyway. Then they have a touchdown, let alone a field goal. So that's why I just think that the whole – it's almost like when people say they shouldn't do it in that situation is because they're, rooted, they're, they're pulling for the drama. They're pulling for the great moment. And that's just not how sports work all the time. And at the end of the day, I'll just say, don't hold. They won't call you for it. And power to wide receivers. <laughs> wow. Boo defensive backs. You're always holding and grabbing and cheating. <laughs> Here we go. All right, go ahead. You can tell the me a soapbox. You can the the soapbox ended in the climactic <laughs> way that I wanted it to end, and that's all that really matters. We need like we, we need like a mock soap commercial that we play every time. Yeah, we no, I'm, I'm, I'm all about it.
Um, <laughs> Welcome to Fentress's Soapbox. But let's talk about the thing that I really was watching the Super Bowl for. Which was, I know. You've been waiting the whole time to get to this. Show. This is all you care I, about. This is all you care about. Honestly, yes. It was the thing that I was like most excited about. Okay. I, I love sports as much as anybody else, but... I also love me some Rihanna, okay? You want to Here's a fun fact. <laughs> I once saw Rihanna play at You're going to love this. I saw Rihanna play at a middle school dance at the Hoop in Beaverton when Ponda Replay was coming out. Like it was like her first song. Yes, she played at the Hoop. At the Hoop? At the Hoop. How old were you? Uh, like seventh or eighth grade. So this is what, 15, 15 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Her first, did their first, her first album came out so like there 20 you go. years ago, though, right? Okay, well, whatever, 20 years ago, whatever it was. That's when I saw her. Yes, I saw her. She, like, came, like, I think she was doing, like, tours of, like, middle school, like, high school big dances around the United States to, like, establish herself. And Ponder Replay was, like, on the radio and, like, definitely out there. I think, like, I forget her second single from that album. But, yeah, those two songs were definitely out there. And, um, and yeah, so there you go. I, 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 saw, I saw Rihanna at the, at the starting point, okay? Shout out. I, I'm not even joking. Oh, I think fine. it was like a, the secret, like like deodorant, like the deodorant, like the secret concert series. And they were touring her around the United States to middle school dances. So there you go. Yeah. 2005. 2005, baby. Oh. Okay. So let's not talk. Okay. okay so yeah. Rihanna, Beyonce. So Rihanna, Beyonce, your team, Rihanna. Oh, I think I'm still, I'm still Beyonce. I got to be Beyonce. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm Beyonce too, but I like I like Rhea. I, I like Rhea as well. You know so what? Your, We're allowed assessment? to like multiple yeah. people, okay? Of course, it's like, it's like the whole Prince Michael Jackson thing back in the day. It was like why are they, the people, the media, and fans invented the feud. Those two, I mean, those two had a little bit of a competition going, but there wasn't a feud. Same thing with these two. They're 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 pals, right? But people create rivalries. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know they they can coexist. The world can have more than two great divas. There's probably here's my thoughts. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Okay. If Rihanna, let's just be frank. If Rihanna is not pregnant, I think that's kind of like a B halftime show. But you are so severely limited in what you can do in in that sort of situation. It's not like you can do you can't do any right. quick changes. Like you can't you can't do any like crazy dance moves because, you know, if you're getting like lifted up or something like that, you know, you can't be dropped. Like stuff like that. So for the constraints that were on that show, more power to you, girlfriend. Like, amazing. <laughs> Incredible stuff. The fact that she did that while pregnant is insane. I, you know, I was talking with somebody about it, and, like, she probably accepted that halftime show invite before she was pregnant, or she had just gotten pregnant and didn't know it. Okay? So, like, the fact that she stuck with it is incredible and I, I you know what i give her her flowers because yeah amazing amazing stuff you have context is important ladies and gentlemen and in this situation it is very important okay so i was impressed considering all the constraints of the situation i thought that the floating platforms were super cool i love that yeah, ending shot where when she was singing diamonds and they, they zoomed out and they had like the fireworks going off in the background. That was dope. Okay. That's like the TV nerd in me. That's like, that's one <laughs> of the coolest shots I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, especially considering everything she had to get through to get to that moment. So yeah, yeah. Aaron. No, okay. I Here's good. here's my question for you. I, when did you, when did you have the moment of wait? Is she pregnant? Uh, when her jacket opened up a little bit, she seen the little paunchy. Yeah. and I'm like, oh, she pregnant again? Well, actually, I was trying to calculate because she her child, she, her first child's a year old already. No, right? child was born in May. May. 
Right. So like I was trying to calculate because if she, I, I mean, I don't keep track of those things enough to know. And so I was thinking, wait, did she just have the baby a few months ago? And so you still be, yep. you know, looking like you gave birth recently. But I was like, and I think I asked and my daughter or wife said it was a year ago. I think my daughter said it was a year ago. So I thought, oh, well, she looks pregnant again <laughs> from the last time I'd seen pictures of her. So I thought, oh, interesting. So how about you? That's why, I, I mean, I, I thought maybe she was pregnant. All right. You want to know the moment? It was actually when somebody else texted me. Our friend Sean Hyken texted me and he goes, the people I'm with think Rihanna's pregnant. And then I looked at my mom and I was like, do you think she's pregnant? And then we both were like, huh, huh. like the rest of the performance. So, um, so yeah, Sean, Sean was the one who tipped me off originally. Um, and, and to your point, they kept her. I mean, she was on a platform and she was strapped into yeah. something for extra security and she didn't go anywhere really would show that they were limiting her movements, whereas usually she's a very uh, movement-oriented yes. performer. And she, her, movements, her movements were clearly limited um, in this performance. Yeah, a lot of the dancing was yeah, on the actual dancers, other. not on her. Right. So, her. yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah um, she should have done Umbrella of Longer. Umbrella warranted more than just a chorus. Umbrella should have been like two minutes of Umbrella. That's to me, that's her greatest song ever. I wish, uh, I wish we would have heard Disturbia. I love that song, <laughs> but I understand that's a low level hit for her, which says a lot. That song, that song bangs. I love that song. Um, gosh, there's another one I wish we would have heard. Oh, well, and see, I knew this one wasn't gonna, this, this one was not gonna get played, but that song where she samples the Avril Lavigne song, um, it's called I'll Drink to That. I love that song too, but that one wasn't gonna, that one wasn't gonna get played. So I just, I had to, had to accept that one. But, um, what did you think about her starting with, um, better have my money? I can't say that I have an opinion on yeah. that. I mean, I, I I know some of her catalog. Yeah. I can't claim that you know I have a few songs in my Spotify yeah. you know list, but I, I would have preferred I, Run I This Town. Okay, <laughs> you give it. I I well, I think that's like a strong starter. Like, hey, we're out here. We're doing it big. And I would have preferred that at the beginning instead of the end. That's okay. Oh, well, that's all right. That's, you know, that's my, that's my, you know, or if you would have started with Disturbia like that, that's, that's like, bum, bum, beat them, bum, bum, beat them, bum. I just, I like that. Like it's the beginning too. And then she goes like, why do I feel like this? Like that would have been an awesome opener as well. I don't know. I just, I wouldn't have. You're off into yeah, this. I, yeah. Okay, greatest Super Bowl halftime performance ever that you Greatest watched. one? Uh, man. Last year's was pretty good, but I, I mean, I really still like that first Beyonce performance. That one was pretty incredible. She bring out Destiny's Child. That was awesome. Yeah. That wasn't the one where she did Formation? No. Different one. She's done. She's done. She's done. Okay. Yeah. I can't even recall that one. They all blur. Anyway, they, they do blur. Uh, real quick before we go. Yep. WNBA roundtable last week. Mm-hmm. Kathy Engelbert, the uh, commissioner, was there with Ron Wyden and Kelly Graves and Cronin and all sorts of people talking. We, did you I make did. it to that? I know we sent Bill Orm and Joe Freeman. You were there. Uh, your thoughts on the event and uh, the chances of Portland getting a WNBA? Uh, don't don't get your hopes up for a while. Uh, I mean, she came out and said nothing is going to happen until at least 2025 in terms of a team actually playing. And she said it could be more like 2026, 2027. So if you're in this, you're in it for the long haul. (laughs) Yeah. And and so they were supposed to announce two cities by December and that didn't materialize. And, Gosh, I was just talking to someone the other day with the two cities that were leading. Do you remember who the two cities were? Oakland's definitely one of them. I think so. Yeah. 
Okay. And who else? Um, I'm not. I'm not totally sure. I know Toronto's in the mix for sure. That's right, yeah. Toronto. Yeah. Toronto. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, so even if they do expand anytime soon, Portland didn't appear. They, they appeared to be in the top ten, but not close to being the first two. I, I, they could be, they could be in the first two. I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's possible, but from my understanding, from talking with people, is that there's, there's like 10 firmly on this list. They're in that 10, but they're not, they're more like maybe six or seven. Yeah. And that could change. I mean, other cities fall through or whatever. My, 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 now, did Cronin and, and uh, did Cronin at all sound like the Blazers yes. were interested in being a part of yes. it? Yes. They did? Okay. I mean, they... Because to me, that's one of the big things. Because if they're trying to sell... or if They have to sell the franchise at some point. Does it help or hurt the sale by attaching another team to you if you're a part of subsidizing it as opposed to it just using your arena? I didn't get the impression of, hey, we want to put money into this. Um, they had the guy there who could potentially be the owner. Um, at the round table. Right. There's, yeah. There's an independent yeah. person. Yeah. Um, but Dwayne and Joe were both very much like, we will do whatever we can to make this work. Um, so uh, they were both very, they both seemed very in support. And I mean, you know, they aren't going to show up to a round table before a game that they have, because they had a game that night. Unless they are 100% in. So um, I, I think that they, I, I think that they're very much in support of it. I don't think that they are looking to financially be so much of in support of it as an organization, but they definitely want to do anything they can as an organization to make this happen. That was, that was the vibe I got. Anything that they can help with outside of dollars, they're there for. <laughs> So bring a team here and immediately trade for Sabrina. Easy. <laughs> totally easy. Could you imagine Sabrina leading the, the Portland, Oregon uh, WNBA franchise? It'd be lit. Oh, boy. That place would be. It would the, be lit. Rose Garden would be. I guess it's not the Rose Garden anymore. Whatever. You want to know what? I'm going to call it the Rose Garden because I can. Because I'm a millennial. <laughs> Screw it. It should still be called. The, the Rose, Rose Quarter. Whatever you want to call it. The Rose Quarter. Would be lit. All right, man, we covered a lot. We did. Yeah, a lot of ground today. So we've got one game tonight against Washington, all-star break, and then we'll see if this team can improve its defense enough to this Blazers team to make a run. I think they're 11th right now. They're only two games out of six. Mm, you never know. I think they make the postseason, but we'll see how far they can go. Probably not very far this year. But we will talk about all of those good things after the break. After I catch my breath from all this madness, re, re, uh, recalibrate myself, re-energize myself for the last push of this bizarre season. Thanks for listening to the, <laughs> to the Sports Bar Northwest podcast. I'm Aaron Fentress. She's Brenna Green. Please click the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating, especially if you love Rihanna as much as Brenna does. And we'll catch you next week.